I never get used to the Reno weather. It's like, when I started last sermon, it was like a snowstorm, snow, snow. And I walk outside, and it looks like summer. It's just all over the place. There's some stuff I have to take care of before uh, we jump into today's message. Um, First, I have to just give a big shout out to a group of people um, who made us meeting here today possible. Last night we had a power outage and we blew almost every fuse in this place. There was no lights, there was anything. Our production and worship team showed up early and replaced the fuses, turned everything on and made it so we could have service today. Thank you guys got the heaters on, all of that, so I'm just grateful for that. And there's the second thing I have to do. Before we jump into the message today, I have to repent a little. I have to start from a place of repentance because last week I picked two games (laughs) of what was going to happen in the playoffs, and I got both of them wrong. So, yeah, clap. Thank you. Thank you. It is clear to me I don't have the gift of prophecy. So, um, but there's one more thing I have to do. We have a group of friends who watched the service um, on Tuesday nights at NNCC. And they watch it on Tuesday nights. And I predicted those games last week. And those games had already happened by the time they were watching the message. And apparently, it turned into a big moment to make fun of Pastor Shane. And I just want to say to my friends, you know, thank you for that, but I'm just going to call you to show a little mercy, okay? Show a little mercy. I'm not perfect, which leads us to our topic today, Matthew 5. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. That was a joke. You guys are supposed to laugh. I just transitioned (laughs) from that. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy, Matthew 5, 7. And remember, when we're talking through this series in counterculture, we're diving into this passage, blessed are the merciful, other translations for the word blessed that go against our current understanding of the word blessing would be you know, honored or favored. Honored are the merciful, favored are the merciful. And when this counterculture series is the idea of as a Christian, we don't get to base how we live off culture standards. We base how we live off the standards of God and how he calls us to live, amen? And the, the tagline for this whole message is that when we give our lives to Jesus, when we follow what Matthew 5 says, when we follow the Beatitudes, which the attitudes we're called to be, Jesus changes everything. Jesus begins to change everything in us. So blessed are the merciful. Now when it comes to culture, mercy is interesting. When it comes to culture, mercy is interesting. We don't have a very merciful culture. And if we're honest, mercy is something that was often frowned upon or looked down on in the context of our culture. You know, you've heard this when there's a game going on or a fight, show them no mercy. I mean, in American culture today, we live by this. Get to the top at all costs. Show them no mercy. Win at all costs. We are a culture that is quick to judge. Maybe not even with having all the info. We can jump straight to judgment and we'll rationalize it with saying things like discernment. Uh, you know, we're quick to judge. We're, we're, we, we, we're, you get what you deserve, culture. We're harsh to people that mess up, and the truth is, if we're honest, we even find joy sometimes in people failing. We find joy when people fail. And I know some of you are like, no, we don't. Not me. 
Our culture does. You wanna know how I know this? We have a whole show called America's Funniest Home Videos, which is just a show of people failing, you know, like trying to dive and they fail. We laugh, you know, we laugh at their failure. We're joyful because of it. And I was surprised, I found out there's even a word for this. There's a German word for this, and give me grace in saying this, it's schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. Uh, in the translations, is schaden comes down to damage or harm, and frode meaning joy. That's a word. How do we have a word for that? Why is that a word that we have? That we, we have joy sometimes when people fail. Culture's response is not often mercy. Our culture is not often to first respond with mercy. And the truth of today's message, as you'll hear me say over and over again, is when we understand how much mercy we have received, then we'll start to show mercy. Once we understand the amount of mercy that has been poured out for us, and we really understand it, it will change the way we begin to show mercy. Matthew 5 speaks to this a little bit, and as I recap kind of the previous weeks of this series, Matthew 5 speaks to those who have already received mercy. It is mercy to be emptied of your pride and brought to a place of spiritual poorness. That's mercy, to be brought out of your pride and into your spiritual poverty. It is mercy to be brought to mourning over your spiritual condition. Remember when we talked about blessed are those who mourn? It wasn't just about the mourning of the hurt and pains of life. It was about the mourning of our spiritual condition, that we mourn over the sin in our life, and we mourn over those things. That's a, that is mercy that we have that. It is mercy to receive the grace of humility and become gentle. And it is also mercy to be made hungry and thirsty for righteousness like we talked about last week. These are all forms of mercy. As we've walked through those Beatitudes, we find out how much mercy we have been shown. And then we're called to show others mercy. Uh, Luke 6, 36 says this. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. We are called to be merciful, just as God has been merciful to us. Anybody in this place ever been shown mercy? Raise your hand. If you're not raising your hand, I think you're lying. Yeah, we've all been shown mercy. Even if you feel like, and some of you maybe said at that moment, like, no, this has been a hard world for me, I get that. But you've been shown mercy in the form of Jesus Christ. The covering of your sins based off of nothing that you bring to the table, that's the ultimate form of mercy. And once we accept that truth, we are called to be merciful. And I want you to hear me on this mercy. Living a life of mercy is not optional. It's not optional. It's not something that we get to say, which I hear people say this all the time, Shane, I don't have the gift of mercy. Well, you know, I feel like when Jesus was speaking in the Sermon on the Mount on the Beatitudes, he wasn't saying like, if you're good at this, if it's easy for you to be merciful, if it's easy for you to, no, he said, this is what you're called to live. This is how you're called to live for the kingdom. It's not an option, and before we jump into, we're gonna talk about four points this morning about how we can live mercifully as the church. But before we wanna get into that, I just wanna say, living a lifestyle of mercy is messy. Mer living a lifestyle of mercy and being merciful can be very messy. You wonder how I know this? Because people are hard. People are hard. And don't get mad at me, you're hard. 
I'm hard. We all have stuff in our life where we are messed up and broken and we ask mercy on ourselves and we're called to live that out for others. Mercy's hard though. Mercy's messy. So we're gonna talk through four points this morning on how Jesus calls us to live in mercy. Number one is we're called to be patient. Anybody struggle with patience? Oh man, me too. I struggle with patience. If there's a line at a grocery store and there's more than three people in it, I'm coming back tomorrow. Like I already got all my food. It doesn't matter. I'm not waiting in that line. You know, I, I, I buy my movie tickets in advance. I, I just don't, I don't like lines. I struggle with patience. Anybody with me on that? Uh, and, but as Christians, we are called to be patient. We're called to be patient with people and not just people that are easy. We are called to be patient and merciful with the irritating. You know that irritating friend? Don't nudge them if they're here with you. That irritating spouse, definitely don't nudge them if they're here with you. We're called to be patient with them. The irritating, the ones that are hard to be around, the exhausting. You know how it is, sometimes you're with somebody and they are just exhausting to be around. You're still called to be patient with them. The irritating, the exhausting, what about this one? The broken, the messy, the sinful. We as Christ followers, don't get to look at our relationships how the world looks. Where it said like, no, they've, they've made, they, we've heard this phrase, they made their bed, let, let them lay in it. We are called to be patient, slow to speak, slow to anger. And here's why I think we're called to do that, and I think this really hits home. When you read Romans 5, 8, and you realize what Christ has done for you, it should change how we're patient with others. Romans uh, 5, 8 says this, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still frustrating, Christ died for us. While we were still broken, Christ died for us. While we were still a work in progress or maybe just a piece of work, Christ died for us. The truth is, the message of the gospel is not get better than come. It's come to the foot of the cross and allow him to make you better. That's the gospel of Jesus. It's, it's not come, get, okay, get your life together. You know, so many times in the church, we, we, try to, we try to treat the symptoms of the underlying sin, which is a need of a savior. We are not the physician. Christ is the physician. Our job is to introduce them to this great physician. Christ said, who needs a physician, the healthy or the sick? The sick. It's not come and get it, like once everything's worked out, then you're, you're worthy. No, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we need to remember that in our relationship with people on a day-to-day -day basis, the hard ones, the exhausting ones, the broken ones, the sinful ones, while they are still that way, we are called to love them. Amen, church? While they're still in their brokenness, we are called to be patient with them. Second way we, we're, thing we're called to do is, number one, we're called to be patient in mercy, and number two, we're called to help. Help. That child just screamed for help. You hear that? <laughs> help. The merciful one will show 
The merciful one will show mercy to those who are weaker and poor. The merciful one will always look for those who weep and mourn. We are called to help, not just stand on the outside and say like, we love you. Not just stand on the outside of someone's relationship and say, hey, here's what we all do. We're praying for you. Am I saying that there's not power in prayer? No, I'm, I'm saying there's a lot of power. We should all be praying for people, especially the broken and the hurting and the lost, but we are called to get in and help do that. We're called to, to help them on their life journey, the messy ones, or even the outcast, the outcast. In biblical times, there was a group of people that were specifically outcast, and you hear them all throughout scripture. It was the, the ones who were hit with leprosy. Leprosy was a disease that took over the body and it became like sores on the skin and it was contagious to the touch. So what they would do is they would take these people with leprosy and they would make them live outside of the city walls. They outcast them to go live outside of the city while they were safe in the walls. They didn't have to think about it. Okay, once you get leprosy, you're out. Leprosy in this time was a death sentence. And it would have been so fearful to be around people with leprosy. They were the outcasts of society. But there's a piece of scripture in Mark where we see Jesus interact with someone with leprosy. The outcast, the one that nobody wants to touch, the one that everybody wants to keep at arm's length, the one that wants, they don't, we don't want them in our area. Jesus does something special. And we're actually gonna watch a video clip from The Chosen on Jesus interacting with this man with leprosy. So let's watch that now. To spoil this beautiful day or anything, huh? <laughs> Come on. It's a leper. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. Rabbi, 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 you Rabbi, cannot, Rabbi, this disease, you can't. Please. Please. Please don't turn away from me. I won't. Lord. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you can do. I know you can heal me if you are willing.
I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. What can I... What can I ever do? Do not say anything to anyone. You don't seek your own honor. Please just do me this one thing. But what do I tell people? Go. Show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. Where's an extra tunic? Just one of you, just one of you. That's enough. I love that clip because it shows the change in the disciples from the beginning at the, until the moment he was healed. I, I, I mean this with all the grace in the world. I, I, love all of, I love the church. I love all of us and I love us coming together. But the truth is I ask myself this question. I'm not just projecting this onto everyone. I'm saying, asking myself, how many people come to me who have their own outcast, their own form of leprosy in their life spiritually and I respond like the disciples? Get away from me, you make me feel weird. Get away from me, I, I don't wanna be around you because I might get infected by your life. Get away from me because your brokenness is messy to be around. The, when I read Mark 1, verse 40 through 45, in verse 41 something stands out. So as Jesus comes to the man, he, the man falls on his knees and it says that Jesus was indignant he reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. The, the word indignant here, I know some of you are like, whoa, whoa, Jesus was indignant? That, that word means to have a feeling or showing of anger or annoyance at what is perceived to be unfair treatment or unjust treatment. When Jesus sees this outcast man, sees how he's been, been treated by the world, even just the fact that he has the sickness that comes from the fall of humanity becomes indignant. I wonder what he would say when he looked at our life and how we are treating and interacting with the people who are outcast, the ones who are gone, the ones who are hurting. You guys still with me? Great. Number three. Well, first let's recap. Number one, we are... We are um, called to be patient. Number two, we're called to help. And number three, we are called to give a second chance. We are called to give a second chance. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says this, for if you forgive others of their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. It goes on to say, but if you don't forgive them of their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. If you forgive others, if you give people that second chance, if you give people that third chance, Christ will look at you the same. The merciful one will be compassionate. Here, hear me on this. Someone who is merciful will be compassionate to those who are outwardly sinful. A compassionate one, the one who is merciful will be compassionate to those who are outwardly sinful, the ones who aren't even like looking for help yet, the, the ones who don't even know that they're broken yet. Like we said, it's not get better and then come. 
We're called to be compassionate to those that are even outwardly sinful. And the last point, we are called to build a bridge of safety. We are called to build a bridge between people and a relationship with Jesus. That's what we get to do. And we get to build that bridge on safety, a safe place for broken people to come and interact with us, and we will choose to show mercy. You know, back in the medieval times, there was this thing that, that they had back then when somebody who was running for their life, um, it didn't matter what they had done or how horrible their crime was, or it, it's just they were running for their life, someone was off after them to kill them. Even, sometimes it was even authority. Sometimes it was even rightful that they were sentenced to this death penalty. But they would run from their lives in medieval times, and you've seen the movies, some of you, maybe Quasimodo, you've seen that. They would run into a cathedral, and they would yell a word on the top of their lungs. They would yell, sanctuary, the moment they got into the cathedral. At that moment, the church would protect them. Now, I know some of you heard that, and you automatically became like, whoa, whoa, Shane, whoa. <laughs> so you're saying there's no consequences for actions. No, I'm not saying that. You're, you're saying that people don't deserve to, to, to pay for the mistakes they make. They can just do whatever they want. They don't, I'm not saying that. Because when you look at, when I used to see those stories in the movies of Sanctuary, I just thought they were free. What the church did is even someone who had the death penalty, they would save them from that, the person chasing them. They would save them from death. And then the church would apply the punishment. Sometimes it was being exiled. Sometimes it was going to prison for life. Sometimes it was hard labor. There's a punishment. But the key was is that they saved them from death. People at the very end, I just don't wanna die, they would run into the church and yell the word sanctuary. And the church would look at them and say, we, don't, we, don't, you know, we know maybe you've done something horrible, but we're gonna step in for you between life and death. That's what being a Christian is. That's what being the church is. I want us to take a real hard look at ourselves, and please hear me with grace on this. I want us to take a real hard look at ourselves and ask ourselves, as the church today, how many people are running to us crying out sanctuary, crying out grace, crying out mercy, and we are responding with shame, judgment, right off the bat. We're responding with condemnation right off the bat. I wonder how many people are turning to not just the body of the church, all of us together, but us individually coming to us and saying, mercy. And we aren't responding how we should. I got a message. I want to have, just take a second to talk to some people, maybe in the room or maybe online. And you're broken. You're sinful. You got some hangups that are bad. I want you to hear my message. As the teaching pastor of grace, I want you to hear me say this. Yes, you're sinful. Jesus loves you and he wants a relationship with you. Yeah, you got an addiction. Jesus loves you and he wants a relationship with you. you your marriage is falling apart. Jesus loves you and he wants a relationship with you. 
You, you've stolen money. Jesus loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. You have the most horrendous crime in the world. Jesus loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. You're a liar and a cheater. Jesus loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. You've hurt other people. Jesus loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. What does Jesus say on the cross? After he takes that sip of water, what does he say? He takes that last sip of water, and his last words are, it is finished. The grace of Jesus, it is finished, it is covered. It doesn't matter what brokenness you have. It doesn't matter what culture says you're defined by. He loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. That's the good news of the gospel. But if you accept that news, I got some bad news. Once you begin a relationship with him, he's gonna to begin to change you from the inside out. And he's gonna call you to die to yourself daily. Just as he died for you, he's gonna call you to sacrifice your own desires and to live for him daily. But it starts with the simple good news of the gospel that he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. I hope and I pray for our church that we would be a place that when people run here crying sanctuary, crying grace, crying mercy, our response would be Jesus loves you and he wants a relationship with you. Guys, remember we are not the physician. We are not the fixer. Jesus will use us sometimes to help others, but we are not the ultimate physician. That title belongs to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Our role is to build safe bridges where people can come and cry mercy. And we will respond with Jesus loves you and he wants a relationship with you. It's that simple, amen? Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that you would give us that posture of responding to the people in our world who are hard, the people in our world who are broken. Give us a posture of mercy. Let us remember how much mercy has been shown to us and let us show it to others. We love you, Father, in your holy name, amen.